to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Todd, and Tude. Hello, hello. It's the Album Nerds Podcast. It's nearly the end of 2022. Thank God. This is the end. Oh, <laughs> that brings me peace. I'm Dude. I got Andy and Don with me. How you guys doing? You excited to uh, wrap up the year? Oh, yeah. Let's put a bow on this, baby. Ship it out. <laughs> hey, it's been better than some of the previous past yeah. ones, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. No, the end of the year is an exhausting time of year for me personally. Not about you guys, but there's so much going on. Yeah, work is crazy. Life is crazy. Holidays, spending a lot of money. And then, of course, for Andy, the struggle to choose his favorite album of the year. <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? The struggle is not real with you? Eh, no? Not really. Don, no one can see your shrug. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work on the, on an auditory medium. <laughs> I guess I don't feel like there's a lot at stake in picking my, my favorite album. Are you saying no, no, nobody cares? Is that... There won't be a lot of remorse afterwards if I change my mind. <laughs> so I think it's become pretty clear. Favorite album is 2022. That's what I'm talking about. Well, 2022 was uh, an interesting year. I'll skip all the dark um, new stuff, but uh, Argentina won the World Cup this year. The biggest film at the box office was Top Gun Maverick. Um, some of the, the biggest uh, selling albums uh, came from Bad Bunny, Beyonce, and Taylor Swift. We lost uh, a lot of notable people. Uh, Sidney Poitier, Olivia Newton-John, Jean-Luc Goddard, Angela Lansbury, and Jerry Lee Lewis. Also a guy named Don joined the, the Album Nerds podcast. Woo-hoo. We also have the birth. Wow. We have the birth of the Album Nerds Discord. The tough birth. Oh, and don't forget the Wombat. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so today we're each presenting our favorite record from 2022 so 2022 it's pretty straightforward you pick your favorite album it's more difficult for some of us than others andy i know you have a giant list to work from i had a pretty short list the the things that i considered that are of most interest bastardane is this rage heavy metal i love it episode 162 we did it mid Mid-year is mid-year uh, best new release. That's really close. I mean, it's my favorite heavy metal album of the year. And I just felt like my top album of this year should be something maybe I didn't talk about before. So, uh, And also, William Crichton, Water and Dust, episode 144. Go check that out. Great album from an Australian uh, artist. Really deep and dark and light and all sorts of stuff. Dream Widow album by... Uh, Dave Grohl and Foo Fighter members, heavy metal kind of one-off thing. So around the time that that Dream Widow project came out, Taylor Hawkins passed away, and I think all momentum of that disappeared. So go check that out if you haven't heard it. And uh, a couple country albums I'll just mention, Ian No, River Fools and Mountain Saints, Zach Bryan, American Heartbreak, and Lainey Wilson, Bell Bottom Country. Dream Widow sounds like it's Dream Little, but like baby talk. (laughs) (laughs) Dream Widow. <laughs> dream Widow. Yeah, I get it. That's I one <laughs> You're my Dream Widow. No, I, that Dream Widow record was actually on in my top twenty five along with uh, that Bastard In record as well, man. And the Crichton record, which I enjoyed quite a bit as well. We're on the same page there, dude. 
the other Russian record that I'll mention is from an avant-garde jazz artist by the name of Rich Ruth. The name of the album is I Survived, It's Over. Uh, it's like a solo project. The guy plays like a enormous amount of instruments and it's kind of funky. It's kind of ambient. There's actually some vocals used. Really cool. Different types of sounds that I had heard in the jazz space before. So I really like that. That was almost my number one, but uh, definitely worth hearing if you're interested in jazz at all. Uh, I Survived, It's Over by Rich Ruth. Nice. And, uh, you know, I, I, I did listen to, uh, you know, a, a lot of artists I, I hadn't heard of before, but, you know, I, I came back when choosing the best records of the year, you know, they, they were familiar names. You know, we covered the, the Arcade Fire Wii, episode 162, and that was almost my favorite of the year. Um, we did the Elvis Costello record back in episode 144. That's, that's one of my favorites as well. Um, there's a good album from the, the Pixies, the Arctic Monkeys, and actually two pretty solid albums from the Red Hot Chili Peppers this year. I still haven't listened to the second one. I think the second one's better. I think you're right. I liked it more. Is it? Okay, yeah. good, because they're just not spicy enough for me anymore, <laughs> but I'll check it out. Yeah. All right, so why don't, you know, we talked about all the things that almost made it, all the honorable mentions. Why don't we talk about the big boys? You choo-choo choose me? My ch choice for favorite album of 2022 is Tears for Fears. The Tipping Point. This is their seventh studio album uh, from the English band. They've uh, been around since 81 or so. So seven albums isn't a lot. They had some inner turmoil over the years, and some of that gets resolved on this record. So why don't we start with the track, My Demons. The All right, so that was My Demons from the album The Tipping Point from Tears for Fears. came out in February of 2022. That song, synthy, but it rocks. I like Roland Orzabal's vocal delivery there, and it just kind of harkens back a little bit to that energy of, of earlier records by Tears for Fears without sounding like the earlier records from Tears for Fears. And it's a little Depeche, it in is. my opinion. It is. I'm not, I've never been a huge Tears for Fears fan. I really like Shout and Everybody Wants to Rule the World and Head Over Heels, like I think a lot of people do. And I enjoy the album Songs from the Big Chair, but I've never been a super fan. But this album, man, is just great. I loved it from the start. I bought it. I listened to it all the time. And um, I'm happy to bring it here today. The three words I used to describe it were Tears for Fears. Well... <laughs> It captures sadness, joy, fear, and the emotion of life. That's kind of the meaning, you know, their name uh, is synonymous with that as well. In a sneaky electro-pop form. So, what about you guys? What would you think? Yeah, my three words are well-constructed, easy-listening pop. I like this record a lot too, man. I think it's really top-notch songwriting. I think, like you said, it kind of harkens back to their 80s sound but it doesn't sound 80s at all it sounds pretty modern it's just really there's like some really good chords to these songs and i I find it immediately catchy but also deep enough to to listen to multiple times without getting bored so yeah i think it's probably one of the better albums that came out this year i'm being honest (laughs) so and a bonus it's 42 minutes so it's perfect length (laughs) yeah 
Donald. Yeah, uh, you know, this became one of my favorite records of the year as well, you know, right near the top. Uh, the three words I use to describe it are pure pop drama. And I guess what, you know, what I really took away from, from this ha- album uh, is just how dramatic it is. And it reminded me of, you know, past albums that, you know, they're, they're just really good at, at creating that, that dramatic sense. It actually reminded me a lot of um, Arcade Fire. I, I never thought about that before. You know, I, I think maybe you know Arcade Fire was was influenced by Tears for Fears. Uh, but yeah, just a you know just a really well constructed album, lyrically interesting. I wasn't that excited uh, about checking it out for some reason. You know, when they were making the promotional rounds when this album came out, I, mean, I remember seeing them perform and you know their vocals. I don't know. They just kind of sounded old to me, and I'm like, eh. But then, you know, I kind of remembered that, you know, on their, you know, well, on their records, but their voices are generally pretty heavily processed anyway. So I, I don't think it uh, it matters much. Yeah, can't tell their age too much. Yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, this is a, a youthful record, though. You know, it doesn't sound like a, a couple of old guys. They're only sixty, man. Uh, by the way, Tears for Fears back in 2013 did cover arcade fires ready to start so there's definitely some professional courtesies probably back and forth what you were talking about don the the emotional stuff that goes on here and and it's not all like sad stuff but a good a good bit of it is why don't we get an example of that under our belts and listen to the title track the tipping points watch that breath So uh, the tipping point was written about Roland Arzabal. He's one of the primary members, and Kurt Smith is the other. He, uh, his wife died in 2017, and this song is about the tipping point between life and death, and watching somebody on that tipping point, you know, in a hospital room, holding their hand, waiting for that moment because it it starts to become a tipping point for the the living person too. Of go from hoping for things to improve to just move on to mourning you know and it's that that uh balancing act there and it's the song itself carries in a positive feeling vibe like a spirit being released but the lyrics if you dig in it can it's a little sad and uh, i think we've all experienced things like that as well and i think that's what they do a really good job of taking things that people experience and putting it in a way that isn't super blunt but you feel it yeah, that is well said. Yeah, and not in a depressing way either. You know, there's something about it that's still, if not hopeful, at least establishing a, a common ground, you know, finding comfort in that. Well, you know, once the tipping point happens, then something new starts. And it might start off bad, but it can it can become okay. This is 17 years between albums. The one from 2004, the reunion album, I thought was not very inspired. They... Um, after that album, they got together with a bunch of producers and they were trying to f- make them modern, like have modern hits. They they stopped. And then in 2020, they kind of came back together and uh, took stock of the stuff they had recorded and then made some new stuff. I think that was a good move. So they, they just sat down with acoustic guitars, I guess, for the first time in decades and just wrote together and helped each other through, you know, the, the death of Roland's wife and, and rekindling their friendship and, and all that emotion. So why don't we check out a little bit of No Small Thing, which is, I guess, the song that sort of saved the record for them. Every day. 
This album would have been a good pick for the great openers and closers theme. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that is the opener of the album, and the the closer stay is also very, very moving closer. Uh, that one is about considering leaving the band again, and uh, <laughs> Roland called it an annual <laughs> event. So Kurt was thinking about leaving again, but it's hard to walk away from something you've built and the conflict and admitting that, that there is conflict, you know, and, and being okay with it. One of the things that made this album so enjoyable is they did the thing that I think every artist should do. On YouTube, just about, I think every track on this album, they do a couple of minutes talking about it. It was so helpful to connect to this and to understand their motivations. Sometimes they're like, oh, the lyrics on that, like on uh, My Demons, the lyrics are sort of throwaway, but the vibe of the song was fun. You know, that kind of honesty and, and understanding what's going on. Yeah, I think there's a real sophistication to this music, even though it sounds fairly simple and definitely has a lot of pop elements to it. I think there's a depth to it that maybe they have you know, with all their experience in the industry and, and just life in general, I think uh, it really makes these songs stand up a little bit more just to scrutiny than a lot of other records I've heard this year. It's it's amazing to me, you know, because this, I mean, this album, you know, they were sort of working on it for, I mean, almost like 10 years or 15 years or something like that. I think, you know, when that happens, when you have all this material and you have several recording sessions and several years of, of, of time in between when you're working on something, a lot of times it doesn't work out. You end up with a, a final thing that's sort of a mishmash of, of different ideas and, the, you know, they really pulled it together at, at the end. So it sounds like something that, you know, would have come out of just a, a creative flash, you know, where they, they just got hot. So yeah, that, that's, that's really impressive. One one other track I'll mention quickly is "Break the Man." It's it's about breaking the patriarchy and having more equality in our leadership and governments, and how maybe we wouldn't be in in the trouble we are in the world and be so worry and everything. But what's funny about that is that they said that before on the album Seeds of Love with the first track Woman in Chains that featured Alita Adams. So they made that point back in 1991 <laughs> as well. So. Maybe, maybe someone should listen. <laughs> Speaking of listening, go check out, go check out uh, my favorite album for 2022, Tears for Fears, The Tipping Point. Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Once again, it is time to ask ourselves a question. We're talking about our favorite albums of 2022. It's great to have a favorite album. You love it, you listen to it a bunch, but does it stick with you? So that, my friends, is the question. What was your favorite album of 2021? Is it still in your rotation? For me, uh, it was Jeff Rosenstock's Ska Dream, which uh, is a ska record. Ska punk record, I would say. Uh, we talked about it back in episode 126, if you're curious. And yes, yes, I've come back to that a few times since then. Any little burst of energy. I still love it, man. It's it's a little bit nostalgic, but it's also, I think, just just a good time. Good times don't get old. So, how about you, Don? Well, I you know I wasn't on uh, on the podcast uh, in 2021, so I, I don't have an, an official pick. I don't really know what I was listening to in 2021, but um, apparently it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't new records. Um, so the only ones I, I could really think of from 2021 was um, uh, an album from the War on Drugs. Uh, I don't live here anymore. 
Yeah, I, I like that record a lot, even though I hadn't really uh, spent time with, with their other stuff. Um, and that's one uh, that I'll occasionally listen to. Uh, and there was a, a Nick Cave and Warren Ellis album called Carnage uh, that was, uh, you know, right out of the pandemic and, and directly about the, the pandemic. So uh, I like that record a lot as well, and, and I still listen to it. For me, episode 139 of the Album Nerds podcast, Mastodon, Hushed and Grim, epic double album about the loss of their dear friend and manager and I loved it. I loved its darkness, its uh, reaching for the light. Uh, you know how Mastodon can create that epic music scape, right? But when I've listened to Mastodon this past year, it's been back to the basics, Blood Mountain, even Crack the Sky. I have not <laughs> I have not revisited Hushed and Grim as sad as that is. So I'm going to do that today. Yeah, I'd be curious to know if you did, if you still appreciated it or not. Yeah, I I'm curious too. I, I'm I fear that I may be not as high on it since I didn't feel compelled to listen to it for the last 365 days. But we shall see. But yeah, so that's what happens sometimes. You know, you love an album for a year, the year, and it came out later last year too. So maybe I was still on that fresh new album high, but it happens. It happens <laughs> that these things yeah. slip through your fingers. It gets like tied to a time sometimes yeah. in your mind, you know, like you'll be like, this is the record of 2021. And sometimes you don't want to go back to 2021 for whatever reason. So everybody out there, think about it. This, I think this is something we need to think about for other years too. But what was your favorite album of 2021? Is it still in your rotation? And if it isn't, listen to it today. What's Grindcore? Grindcore goes a bit like this. <laughs> Our preemptive apology for anybody out there with a faint of heart. Uh, this next, rec next record is not for you. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Talking about... <laughs> Uh, the artist Wormrot and their July 2022 album Hiss is my favorite album of the year. We are going to play the third cut. This is Behind Closed Doors. Andy, that's kind of misleading there because that's one of the rare moments on the album when you can almost understand the words. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes the lyrics are not necessarily the focus here so much as the uh previous record <laughs> um okay so worm rots this is their four studio album they're from singapore they are three-piece generally viewed as a grindcore metal group uh grindcore for those who aren't super familiar with it it's just a really fast aggressive form of metal Generally with like the, not even like Cookie Monster voice, but more of like a, maybe like a pig, a pig style voice, I would describe it, I guess. <laughs> not usually a genre I listen to a lot, to be honest, because uh, I find it pretty grating after a while. But this record and these guys, I think, do it service. And they keep my interest largely by mixing things up as much as they do. Uh, so my three words for this record are groove, shift, smash, because uh, it's definitely aggressive, but they shift around to a lot of adjacent genres, I think, very adaptively and in interesting ways that really kept my attention. And they just had a lot of fun with this record. I really enjoyed it. I got a lot of energy out of it. And I mean, for me, like picking the album of the year is such a daunting task. Like, usually I'm just going, at least lately, with like ones I've had fun with or like really 
put a smile on my face, I guess. And uh, yeah, so for me, this this was definitely that record. I know we haven't talked about much music like this on the show this year, so I'm curious and also a little scared to hear what you guys thought. Uh, well, the three words uh, I chose were screaming at the void, because that just kind of seems like uh, what they're doing. So I, I did take the time, you know, to, to check out the, the lyrics. Uh, and I, I was, I'm actually happy I did it because it, it provided, I guess, more context for the songs. And it made it seem like it was, you know, more than just somebody, somebody screaming, um, you know, over, over loud guitar riffs. I mean, holy crap, you know, with the, with the lyrics. I mean, they're really. I mean, I like depressing stuff, <laughs> yeah. but can I, can I read you uh, just the, do, sure. the one, one quote from the song Glass Shards? It's, I pray for death every night. Everything that touches me, I infect. I wish all the mirrors stopped staring back. I won't make it through another night. I don't belong here. I never wanted to be here. God of sorrow, bring me death. Bring me, bring me <laughs> okay. death so I can close my eyes in eternal bliss. So this is like a new favorite album of the year, Don? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, I... I guess because I'm not that familiar with this genre, you know, I don't have anything to, to compare it to. I wasn't put off by it as, as I thought I might be. I, I think I, you know, when I hear stuff like this, I tend to kind of just dismiss it. But yeah, you know, upon close listens and through headphones, you know, I definitely appreciated the, the musicianship. And I do like the, the subtle, I mean... A lot of it's the same, but, you know, there are little subtle things in there. Occasionally, there's some melody, which just stands out, and it, and it makes it a, a solid album, you know, a, a solid uh, experience. You know, there's even some some cello in there, or I think violin somewhere. Uh, so Violins or violin? Uh, violins. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I'm glad I took the time to, to listen to this record, and I also... You know, read read up on on grindcore a little bit. Learned about about something called blast beats. So, uh, yeah. Well, thank you for uh, you know presenting this to me. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> See, I'm too old and crotchety to have taken it that far. Although, Don, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna look at the lyrics. I'm gonna put it in the in my mind in the voice of Robert Smith from <laughs> The Cure. There you go. So be like, I pray for death every <laughs> night, and then then maybe That's maybe I can get through it. So. <laughs> Thanks. My three words to describe this album, brash, intense, indecipherable. And it's a common theme on this show, this type of music that Andy has brought to the forefront occasionally. If I'm a lyric guy, yes, I could go do what Don did, do the extra work, but I'm like, he's a professor. I'm a regular old <laughs> dude that probably isn't going to do that. And so I might miss out on things because the band has decided I'm not important enough for them to use their words in a way I can understand. Just a little, just a little. I need a little in every song, mm -hmm. something. For me, it didn't have enough melody. The cleaner vocal moments were the only moments I enjoyed vocally. Great musicianship, but it's kind of meaningless when you can't hear the words. Uh, unlike the Bastardane album, <laughs> which did, they blend genres as well, and uh, as well as Wormrot, but... They they felt clunky and haphazard, and Bastardanes felt smooth and polished to me. That's the dichotomy between, like I say, I like metal, but someone who likes this as metal would think I don't like metal because I don't care for this. Yeah, I, I think you know the lyrics or the vocals are such a sticking point for most people getting into those these genres. I almost wish it wasn't such an integral part of the recipe, but I mean, for me, like I just think of it more as another instrument and it's just like a sound that, that's being produced and i don't really try to decipher the lyrics a lot i know a lot of, a lot of fans are like singing every word along and i'm like i was like blown away by how you 
how the hell you could possibly do that. <laughs> yeah, that is impressive. But for me, it's kind of just more about the sound. And Would you say that they're a voiceless choir? <laughs> you could say they're a voiceless choir. <laughs> Why don't we actually play that? This is a lead single off this album, actually. It's called Voiceless Choir. Let's check it out. It's what we call a transition. <laughs> <laughs> That was my jam on this record, for sure. That was yeah, that was my definitely song. the most straightforward, more like hard rock sound on the record. Yeah, it's almost like a breath of fresh air when you get to that point, because <laughs> it's just like the ease up uh, on the gas pedal just a little bit. But yeah, I found those moments really cool. Like you can get moments of like almost like Faith No More kind of sound there. I would say. But then they shift mm-hmm. right back into like a very extreme sort of like converge style, you know, really like intense, like hardcore sound again, pretty quickly. So yeah, I, I think that kind of dichotomy between those two ends of the metal spectrum, I find really interesting. I thought these guys did a great job at putting together, you know, pretty solid, like 30 minutes. Like it goes by quickly for me and it does have some, some peaks and valleys to it sonically. Especially at the end of the record, it comes to a nice, a nice head with uh, the track uh, we're gonna play next. This is uh, a bit of glass shards. That feels like it could have been in an '80s video game, like Zaxxon or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Zaxxon. Yeah, so there's a little bit of that string arrangements there come in on that track, and it feels a little more epic. Uh, I think it's a good, a fitting end to the the chaos that just ensued previously. Um, yeah, so probably not the best album of the year, if I'm you know just being critical, um, but I've really enjoyed it a lot, and I came back to it quite a bit. Got me through a lot of, of workouts, which I, th- I think is makes it pretty valuable in my mind. So yeah, I'll just mention too that the lead vocalist, Arif, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's leaving the band after this record, so no longer part of the the trio. Don, sounds like an opportunity for you, sir. Oh, and you're singing. Oh. to Singapore. <laughs> Down with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's one of the better albums in this genre in a while. And uh, if you can stomach it, I think it's worth a listen. Once again, the album is Hiss. <laughs> that's a great recommendation <laughs> i understand it's not for everybody but i think it's worth getting this stuff a little bit of credit it's it's yeah. worth giving it a try it yes so once again the album is hiss by the artist worm Rot. this is friendship pure unadulterated friendship oh, yeah. are you a music fan join us on the album nerds discord albumnerds.com slash discord to discuss what you like what you dislike help induct records to the album nerds hall of fame and to suggest topics for the wheel of musical destiny people say the march of time is inexorable but it definitely speeds up and slows down and this is a point when everything just died <laughs> so done <laughs> there we go <laughs> Uh, so my pick uh, was that you was that you doing an <laughs> English accent my pick for uh, album of, of uh, best album of 2022 is uh, Shuffle Mania uh, from from Robin Hitchcock Robin Hitchcock born Robin Rowan Hitchcock uh, 1953 in uh, Paddington London UK um, he was leader of uh, the post-punk band the Soft Boys uh, they had a couple albums in the in the late 70s this is his uh, his 22nd album. Here's a, a song called The Raging Muse. 
Uh, the three words I use to describe the album are whimsical folk rock. Uh, I don't often use the word whimsical, but it, uh, you know I think it's uh, it's appropriate here. There's um, I don't know just a, a uniquely kind of English sense of humor and silliness here, but there's also you know there are I, there is some seriousness to it as well, some pretentiousness. You know I mean Sid Barrett you know is obviously one of his uh, big influences. Also the you know all the members of the Beatles, uh, Bob Dylan, Nick Lowe, and you know Hitchcock is always gone back and forth between like folk and kind of psychedelic rock uh, and this album's kind of right down the middle um, perhaps you know poppier than than some of the other albums yeah well what do you guys think of robin hitchcock's shuffle mania first thing that strikes me is i don't think any of us picked an album by an american artist mm, interesting it's a big world folks go grab a piece um the three words i used to describe this album were light energetic and infectious if you played this for me i would assume it was some young band that was influenced by the music of the 80s and 90s and artists like robin hitchcock it sounds fresh and energetic and new it does not sound like a, a 69 year old how old is he 69 something like that um yes exactly yeah so it's it's fun to listen to and you can picture whoever you want being the artist here these songs all have a lot of energy they they kind of have different styles and sounds but it's all very accessible and fun i don't know per se what the what the lesson to be learned if any in this album if there's any overarching you know message because he seems kind of like a message guy but i didn't catch anything but i did enjoy it a lot uh my three words are shuffle into a playlist because i really did enjoy a handful of songs here um to me robin feels kind of like one of those like creative geniuses he just has a lot of ideas going on in his head all, at all times. And this feels like a lot of ideas, but some of them didn't just didn't stick for me or didn't feel maybe complete. Well, I think that the, the title of the song, The Raging Muse, recognize, he recognizes mm. that as well. His, his muse, his inspiration won't leave him the hell alone. <laughs> yeah. Right? And that's why it's so much yeah, material. It feels like he's being tormented by these songs. No, I, I really love the opening single or the opening cut. But got me like, what? Got me really wondering, like, what the hell is a shuffle man? Like, he talks about it a lot, but I still don't know if I really understand what the hell it is. Do you know, Don? Not really. I mean, I um, I do have a quote from him. Um, he says, what is shuffle mania? It's surfing fate, trusting your intuition, and bullfighting with destiny. It's embracing the random and dancing with it, even when it needs to clean its teeth. So, again, okay. like like a lot of Hitchcock stuff, I don't really get it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, maybe it is sort of just a, a celebration of the, the randomness of, of life. You know, what's the shuffle man going to deliver next? The chaos of the universe. Like, what's it going to deal you next sort of yeah okay well let's uh let's dig deeper into the record here's a song called noirer than noir my uh four years of high school french tells me that translates to blacker than black Ooh, we <laughs> I like uh, I, I like um, Hitchcock's kind of quieter moments like that, and when he kind of s- sings in that deep droning um, style. I think his voice is probably not for everyone. I, I wondered if Dude would have a, a problem with him kind of singing in the in the English accent. I mean, he's English. I, my but, 
and it, do, it doesn't feel exploitive of, hey, I'm English. Right. I'm, fr-, you know, but I was just appreciative of him singing <coughs> Worm Rot. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there are supposedly some. Uh, some special guests on this album. I don't own the, you know, the hard copy of it, so I don't have the liner notes. And Wikipedia is is no help. Uh, but I knew, I do know that that Johnny Marr is on this record, uh, along with Sean Ono Lennon, uh, another member of the Soft Boys, Kimberly Rue, uh, who actually went on to uh, Katrina and, and the Waves. So, um, okay, uh, well let's uh, let's do another track here, Midnight Tram to Nowhere. Yeah, that felt like a like a Lennon esque, mm-hmm. like a later John Lennon sort mm-hmm. of vibe. Yep. So I mean, you know, I would say this this album is. I mean, it's kind of it's just typical Robin Robin Hitchcock. So he's not necessarily breaking new ground or anything here. But you know, if you're gonna start somewhere in his catalog, this this would be a you know a fine place to to start. You know, I would rank it up there with with um, you know his best albums. Probably not his best, but um, it's very good. And at age sixty nine, you know, the, I think that's that's quite impressive to you know still sound fresh. Sixty nine, dudes. <laughs> Uh, other interesting note that I, I, I like that um, Hitchcock did was he made the hard copies of the album available in October, you know, on vinyl and, and CD and, and such. Uh, and it wasn't made available digitally until November. So I think he's definitely somebody that uh, appreciates the album format. It's quite short as well. Uh, I don't remember the exact running time, but it's in the, you know, the 30 the something minute range. Okay. So that was uh, my pick for album of the year, Shuffle Mania by Robin Hitchcock. All right, so the year 2022 is coming to a close. Favorite albums, top albums, album of the year, all that jazz. Uh, Looking back on it, for me, that gives me a reason to seek out new music. It's really easy to sink into the stuff you know, but if you set yourself a goal every year of maybe 10 new albums, brand new albums that year, and hopefully a couple from artists you haven't heard before, I think it really, it can open things up for you. You can find new artists to love. You can find their influences and and so on and so forth. So what I learned was as much as it's fun and on the show, we talk about a lot of older records, it's important to to keep your mind open and limber and keep looking for new music. Yeah, I find new releases pretty pretty exciting. There's a lot, not a lot of like great stuff, but there's a lot of interesting ideas scattered about and it's it's fun to try and dig through and find them. Looking forward to doing it again uh, next year. There's a couple of records coming out I'll mention from a few groups I got an eye on. You guys remember the Gorillas from like 20 years ago? They were pretty popular. Yeah. Uh, apparently. Sure. Yep. The cartoon guys, yeah. And the guy yep. from Blur. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. They got a record mm-hmm. coming out next year as well as uh, rapper Danny Brown hasn't put anything out in a while. Really curious to see uh, what he has in store. How about you, Don? Well, I mean, 2022 was a very different year for me uh, as far as listening to and, and processing music. You know, so being part of the, po- the podcast, you know, I've just been exposed to it to a lot more. And we did a couple new release episodes, which were um, very good exercises for me because, you know, in that process, you're just kind of combing through all the recommendations on title and stuff like that. And so I just became familiar with so much stuff that 
otherwise, I mean, I, I am guilty of kind of just falling into ruts sometimes and, you know, just looking at the past and, and just, you know, kind of just being stuck in a, in a comfort zone. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun, you know, uh, getting exposed to, to new stuff like that. Um, but on the other hand, though, you know, my favorite records of the year ended up being, you know, stuff from, you know, from artists I, I already liked. So maybe, you know, I haven't grown all that much yet. <laughs> it's a process. Though. It's a process. Well, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you need one to grow on. I'm your density. I mean, your destiny. All right, boys and girls, it's that time once again. Gather around. We'll uh, dust off the uh, Wadbot over here. She's had a little bit of a break the last couple of weeks, but we need her assistance once again to bring us into the new year. Welcome to 2023. Your musical destiny will give you the live music experience. You will explore the world of live albums. Don't forget your lighters. So, Andy, it's live albums. I know that uh, in the past you you haven't wanted to discuss them in the context of other albums. Mm-hmm. But when it's just live albums, then it's a hopefully a different story. Yes, I am that bitch, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> But I think doing it on its own, I think it'll make sense. Maybe I'm not opposed to live music, obviously, but it's its own thing. So this would be a good chance to talk about it. So. Yeah. What do you think of live albums? What was the best album of 2022? What else are you listening to? Let us know. Join us on the Album Nerds Discord, albumnerds.com slash discord. You can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Album Nerds. Also, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support. Thank you so much for spending 2022 with us on the Album Nerds podcast. We'll catch you next time with those live albums. Yep, happy new year, everybody. See you next year. Don't you hate when people do that? <laughs> <laughs> Such a bad joke. I, I was a big offender in elementary school. <laughs>